Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be and the woman came to Saul and saw that he was severely troubled and said to him, Now therefore, please, heed also the voice of your maidservant, and let me set a piece of bread before you, and eat, that you may have strength when you go on your way. But he refused and said, I will not eat. So his servants, together with the woman, urged him, and he heeded their voice. Then he arose from the ground and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fatted calf in the house, and she hastened to kill it, and she took flour and kneaded it, and baked unleavened bread from it. So she brought it before Saul and his servants, and they ate. Then they rose and went away that night. She wants him gone. Get out of here. And even the spirit is doesn't want him around anymore. God's not talking. The, the, the Urim's not talking. The prophets are not talking. Nobody's talking. He's lost all communication. Now the spirit is wants him gone. Let me give you some bread so you can go, she said. Basically, you're too weak to travel. Let me give you something to eat so you can get out of my house. Leave. This is where it's gotten with Saul. Nobody wants him around. He's trouble. He's danger. So here in this chapter, we've had two different people, David and Saul. One was obedient and committed, even though he had his his moments of doubt. But then you got the other guy, Saul, who was not obedient. He was disobedient. He was not committed. But yet, both of them made mistakes. But this story helps us to understand a lesson from James uh, 1 and 22. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Don't just listen. Do what it says. Okay, I hope you all all heard me in the word today. Don't just listen. Actually do it. So Saul had heard God's command in 1 Samuel 15, attack the Amalekites and destroy them, but he spared them. He didn't do it. He killed a bunch of them, but he didn't do it the way God said. He disobeyed. God said, take them all out, and he did not do it. He spared their king. He spared King Agag, and he kept the best of the spoils for himself. God said, don't even keep the spoils. Kill all of it. Saul said, oh, but, but, but I kept the, the animals and, and, and the spoils to, for sacrifice. Oh, yeah, we're, we're going to sacrifice this to the Lord. He spiritualized his disobedience, and he justified himself. So in 1 Samuel 15, 32, Samuel had told him, bring me King Agag. And so Samuel killed Agag himself because Saul wouldn't do it. So what you had in in 1 Samuel 15 from the beginning of Saul's reign is that he would not obey what he heard. The word of God, the Lord God told him, kill the Amalekites. He heard it, but he didn't do it. And when you hear it and don't do it, the Lord God will get somebody else to do it for you. God's giving you an opportunity to partake in blessing. And when he tells you to do something and you don't do it, 
then that becomes rebellion, sin for you, and God will pass that job to somebody else that will get it done. And it will be their blessing, a blessing lost for you. The same scenario in chapter 27 to 25, Saul, I'm sorry, 27 to 28, Saul still had, after all these years, all this time, he still had not finished the job of the Amalekites. And so the Lord got David to go out and kill the Amalekites because Saul, he heard the order, but he would not do it. He listened, but he would not do what it said. Saul lived a deceived life because the verse in James 1.22 says, do not, be a se- do not be deceived. He had a very deceived life uh, because he wouldn't obey the Lord. He thought everything was okay when it wasn't. Friends, do not merely listen to the word. I'm trying to tell you the word to the best of my ability, however great or however not so great I am. I'm sure some people listen to me and go, that was wonderful. Some listen, oh, you know, he's, I've heard better. Hey, whatever, that's okay. I'm doing the best I can to tell you the word of the Lord. Are you listening? And if you're listening, are you doing it? That's, the main, that's a main idea here. Don't just listen, do what it says. David had a moment of doubt and he fled from Saul, but David did not let it evolve in him to a point of iniquity where he stopped doing the Lord's will. Yes, he had a moment of doubt. Yes, he ran off. Saul wasn't after him, but he didn't let it progress into bigger and bigger iniquity. My way, forget God, I'll just, you know, whatever. I'll just do my own thing. That was what Saul was doing. But David would not have it that way. He got right back on that horse and he went right back killing the Amalekites again. And he finished the job, was working on finishing the job that Saul would not do. So that's the difference between these two guys. They both made mistakes, but one let it evolve downward into iniquity. And we got to see that before and after shot of how far down he'd gone by having Samuel come in the picture. The guy that started him is now the guy that's going to end him. But David is still working. He's still going. Even though he had doubt, he did not fall into iniquity like Saul did. Isaiah 59 and 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. You know, there's a lot of people today that are in Saul's position right now. They're in Saul's spot. God's not talking, but that's because they continue living in iniquity, my way. Come on, let's go to church. Nah, you don't have to go to church to be saved. Come on, let's pray. Eh, God knows my heart. I'm not going to pray because there's people that have got it worse than me. Why should I pray when there's people worse off than I am? You just defeated your prayer life. Satan convinced you to shut your prayer life off. Why is God not hearing? Well, for one, you're not talking. You're not praying. You're not meaning it when you do. You're over-spiritualizing yourself when you want to do look like you're doing something right. Because It's all fake. It's not real. You have this attitude of, well, when it gets for real, when it gets right down to it, I'll repent later. I'm young. I've got a lot of time on the clock. I can, I can, I'm going to last a while. When it gets that bad, I'll repent later is kind of your thought process. So I want you to ask, though, is Saul able to repent later? Is Saul getting a, well, you know, maybe later on. I'm still young enough. No, time's up. Time's done for Saul. What does James one twenty two say? Don't deceive yourselves. Don't deceive yourselves. A lot of people, they continue in willful iniquity. I'll live my life my way because they believe that if they really get into a bad, bad pinch, which their iniquity gets them into, by the way, which is what we see with Saul. But when I really get down into the bad part of it, all I have to do is pray 
And dump da da, Jesus has to come fly in like Superman and he'll save me and pull me right out of it and then he'll set me back on the way I was and then I'll go right back to living my life the way I want to, just like I was. Nope, that's not how it works, guys. It doesn't work. Oh, well, then what about call upon the name of the Lord? What about pray and the Lord answer? Yeah, that's the people who want to obey him. The willfully disobedient, the willfully rebellious, the I'm not going to follow God, I am not going to do anything God's way, those people. No, it don't work like that, guys. God knows what you're doing. He knows you're not going to pray meaning it. He knows you're faking everything. Why is he going to answer that? You're deceived in thinking that God has to come fly in and honor that. Saul is looking for anything he can, and God's not talking. He went to a spiritist, and God used that moment to bring Samuel up. And guess what? It showed the spiritist. For all we know, she ran off and got right with the Lord after that scary moment. Who knows? But it's done. Saul's time's done. And, you know, you need to make sure you're in a good position with God so that you don't find yourself in in a a bad pinch like this. God will cut your life off early if you demonstrate, I'm not having it, God. Well, God's not having it either, pretty much. So, again, James 1.22 says, don't deceive yourself. Don't be a fool thinking that things are the way they're really not. And what does Isaiah 59 say? It says separated, separated from God. He will not hear. No, God has to hear every prayer. According to this, it says he doesn't. He doesn't. God's not going to hear it. The people that won't do what the word says are deceiving themselves. And what about the people who are not even listening to God's word? Well, they're, they're even worse. It's even worse off. People that hear God's word and won't obey it. They are deceiving themselves, thinking that everything's okay while they actually persist in iniquity until they run their lives completely into the dirt. I had a friend who got off drugs, and he was off drugs and sober for a good year or more. Well, one day he was very upset, and he wouldn't tell me what was going on. Well, then a little bit later, not long later from that, he was upset again. And I said, what is going on? And he was in, he went to the mirror and he was fiddling around with his teeth. His teeth were falling out and he was very upset. He's like, why are my teeth falling out when I got off drugs? I have been off of drugs. I haven't touched them. I've been away from them. Why do I have to deal with this? Why are my teeth falling out? I quit drugs. Friends, you know, when you run in inequity and sin, and you continue in it for a long time, just because you repent and stop doesn't mean you're free of the consequences. There's a lot of damage that Saul did. There's a lot of damage my friend did to his body in the drugs. And even though he stopped and stayed clean for a long while, that doesn't mean the consequences are over. Friend, this is all the more reason for you to get right with God quickly now before you accumulate more damage that you're still going to have to put up with later. You know, being saved by Jesus doesn't mean all the consequences disappear. There's still going to be some things you got to tend to, things you got to deal with, but it's best to cut now, repent now, and get right with the Lord. But if you don't want this to happen to you, if you don't want to end up in a bad spot, like here's your track record is now catching up to you like it's done with Saul, if you don't want this to happen, then my advice is you need to repent right now, today. This is not a time for you to be deceived. It's a time for you to hear the truth of God's word. Don't just hear it. Don't just listen to it. Do what it says and repent and get right. Well, I'll get right later. I mean, I'm thinking about it, but I'll get right later. I'm sure Saul really beat himself up in this in this chapter for having said that for so long. Yeah, I'll get right later. I'll get right later. I don't need to right now. Because for Saul, 
obeying later is too late. What did Samuel tell him? You're going to be with me tomorrow. Now is too late. Saul could do all the repenting in the world right now. He could do all the sacrificing and getting right with God, and I'm sorry, and but it's too late now. Now it has been called. Time's up. Now, I want to say to the church, to the body of believers, this is not only a message for the lost, because we like to sit up all prideful, well, I'm saved. This doesn't pertain to me. I'm saved by Jesus. All's good here. No, it's a, it's a message for us, too, including me, especially me, okay? It's a message for all of us, too. Why? Because God has given us commands. He's told us to do things. For one, he told us to love one another. Are you loving everybody, or do you have these certain little people or people groups that you hate? Well, everybody's hating each other, and they all justifying it, and they're all saying, here's why I get to do it, and here's why it's okay. That's your iniquity. Uh, we were also commanded to forgive. Have you forgiven people that have wronged you? If you don't forgive, you can't be forgiven. Are you taking the gospel out to the lost? We're commanded to do that. Don't deceive yourself hearing the word and not doing it. Do what it says. Are we doing it? Church, I'm asking a question. Body of Christ, I'm asking a question. Are we doing it? Are we doing it? Did you do it at first? When you first came to Jesus, did you tell people about Jesus? Did you love everybody regardless of their political opinions? Or were you fiery for God when you first came to Jesus in the beginning? I want you to remember, Saul came into this story very humble at first. He came into the story very victorious at first. He was doing good. But then Saul got that last talk with Samuel, the one prophet that Saul to his start. After the before and after view of Samuel with Saul, we got to see how far he'd fallen. We got that before and after snapshot from Samuel on how far Saul had fallen down. God said to the unloving church in Revelation 2 and 5, he says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. My, oh, my, oh, my, has the church fallen far today, haven't we? The church, the body of believers are not doing what they're claiming they are. They're saying, I'm I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. They're not obeying the Lord. How far we have fallen. And if we don't do what the Lord commanded us, it says he will take away the lampstand. He will take away the blessing, the positioning, and the empowerment, the ability to work in kingdom work, and will give it to someone else that will. Saul would not kill the Amalekites throughout his entire rule. He would not do the job that the Lord told him to do. And so God took it away and gave it to David to do. Friends, it is our job. We are told to do this. It's our job to love the unlovable, forgive the unforgivable, and take the gospel out to the lost. It is not an option. It is a command. God told us to do it. Christian, let me ask you a question. Be honest with yourself when you answer this. When's the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? Let me ask you another question. How many times have you done it? If it hasn't ever been at all, you need to get busy in obedience. You need to tell people, I don't know how. Well, get educated how. I'll I'll tell you how. Contact me. I'll tell you how to do it. I'll I'll let you know. And it'll be biblical. We'll we'll get that taken care of. But you need to be doing what the Bible says. You don't want your lampstand taken away. 
But here's one of the most fascinating things I've seen in the in the whole story here is how Samuel said in verse 15, he says, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Why did you bring me up? UP, up. He didn't say down. He says, why did you bring me up? Why didn't he ask, why did, why did you bring me down? Because when we think of going to heaven, we think of going up, right? Why did Samuel say, why did you bring me down? He said, bring me up. Now, if we knew that Samuel had been dead all this time, supposedly in heaven, then why did he say, why did you bring me up? Shouldn't Samuel have said, why did you bring me down? I'm going to give you a quick insight into this. I want you to mark down Luke 16 and go look it up. I want you to read the story about Lazarus and the rich man. It's about two men who died. One man went to a place of torment, and the other man went to a place called Abraham's bosom. It's, it's a place called paradise. It was a place where people went when they died. It says that one man was in flames, and the other man was in the place of comfort. And they could actually shout across to each other over this chasm that was fixed between them so that nobody could cross from one side to the other. This is a fascinating story. Two men who died, one man went to a paradise, one man went to a bad place in the flames, and they could actually talk to each other. What in the world is this? <laughs> Up into the Gospels, Jesus had not yet died on the cross, so people had to go somewhere, but they could not yet go to the Father because the way of salvation to the Father had not yet been made. So the people had to go somewhere. They went somewhere, but where did they go? The righteous went to paradise, and the unrighteous went to the flames. I want you to remember what Jesus said to the thief on the cross, who, the thief who was dying right next to him. That thief declared Jesus as Lord and said, Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And so Jesus told him in Luke 23 and 43, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me. Where? Read that. What does it say? In heaven? Doesn't say heaven. What does it say? It says, today you will be with me in paradise. And so I want us to realize how Jesus did not ascend up to heaven that day. He did not ascend to heaven that day. Jesus' ascension is not recorded until 40 days later in the book of Acts. Jesus did not ascend for over a whole month, but he told the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. So where was that? It wasn't up. <laughs> it was in Abraham's bosom. Matter of fact, I want to show you how uh, Mary Magdalene, she saw Jesus in the garden after his death. It says in John 20 and 17, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father. So I want to ask you a question. Where had Jesus been all that time if it was not up in heaven? So where had Samuel been all this time if it was not up? Samuel was in paradise. You notice how Samuel said, why'd you disturb me? I mean, I was having a good time until you, <laughs> why'd you bother me? I was doing well. He was in paradise. And so look at what Samuel told Saul in verse 19. He says, tomorrow you and your sons will be with me where I'm at. Jesus said to the thief, a bad man. Well, Saul's a bad man, Ray. Oh yeah, so was the thief. Jesus told the thief, a bad man. He said, today you will be with me where? He said, you'll be with me in paradise. You're going to be with me. Samuel told Saul, you're going to be with me. Jesus told the thief, you're going to be with me. These words were spoken to two very bad guys. A thief and Saul will be where? Where are they going to be? In paradise. Where are they going? Paradise. So where do you think that Saul went when he died? 
Just that's a that's a fascinating question. But Ray, how could such a sinner like Saul, all the bad things he has done, all the damage he's done, all the terrible things he's done, how could such a sinner like Saul go and be saved after all that he's done? Well, I don't know. How about we look at it this way? Probably the same way in such how such a sinner like you and me could be saved after all the bad things that you and I have done. Well, Saul doesn't deserve to be told that he could go to paradise. Neither did the thief. And guess what? Neither do you. And neither do I. Because we have sinned. We have all sinned, all of us. Here's here's a good lesson to learn in this. Don't beat yourself up over the bad decisions that you've made in your past. I know you've made them. I've made mine. You know, David worried and he made bad decisions, and but he moved away to where Achish was, probably not the best thing that he should have done. There was no reason to. Saul was not chasing him, but he still got back to work on preparing for a future kingdom that he had still not yet seen. Friends, I want you to put your bad decisions aside just for a minute. I know you've done it. I know you're still dealing with some consequences of it. Here's what I want to say to you, though. You've made bad decisions, and you think that bad decision is preventing you from entering into the presence of the Father. You see, Jesus has died and made the way now, so we don't go to this temporary paradise place. We go straight up. We go to to be with the Father. Absence of body is present with the Lord. We get to go straight up now because Jesus made the way. But you've got a bad decision somewhere in your life that you think is preventing you from going. You think you've done too bad, you've done too wrong for for too long, and that you can't go. I want to tell you that you can. You can go. If the thief could be told, without having done anything to make up for it, all he had time to do was confess Jesus as Lord, and he says, you're going to be with me today in paradise. Saul had done all this damage all this time. Wicked guy. He was always messing up, and he was always doing bad things. And Samuel told him, you and your sons are going to be where I am. Friends, I know you've done bad things. I have too. I know you've sinned. I have too. But you call upon the name of the Lord and mean it for real. Repent and get right and say, Lord, save me. Then you will go where the Lord Jesus is. You will get to be with him in eternal life. You are not worthless. You are priceless. I want you to understand that. I say it every time, every show that I do. You are not worthless. You're priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem not just you, but also all of those who call upon the name of the Lord. I want you to know that, and I want you to understand that. Don't let your bad decisions beat you up. Get back up on that horse and start fighting to serve the kingdom of the Lord, a kingdom that we have not yet seen. Just like David, he was fighting for kingdom work for a kingdom he hadn't seen. Friend, you and I have got a kingdom we haven't even seen yet. You will get there if you will commit yourself to the Lord and don't let your bad decisions in the past beat you up. Get back on the horse. Let's get at it. Father God, I thank you for what you have done in your word. Thank you for giving us assurance and in, in salvation in Jesus Christ. Romans ten nine that if you confess in Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be, will be, will be will be saved. It is a promise. Thank you, Lord God. I take you up on it. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for dropping by at Set for Life. I hope you heard the word. Now let's go do it.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.